Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's not just the Major League Baseball owners and players being impacted by the ongoing owners' lockout. Fans and local businesses are about to feel a pinch as well. With regular season games being canceled, a lot of folks who work in and around Coors Field, for instance, are getting hurt. In this episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast, we hear from a couple of diehard fans to get their take on what's going on in the big leagues right now. Bruce Hellerstein is the owner and the operator of the National Ballpark Museum, located across the street from Coors Field. And Shannon Hurd is a Rockies superfan and longtime season ticket holder. What they have to say should matter to Rockies owner Dick Monfort and the rest of those involved in this struggle that doesn't appear to be ending anytime soon. So let's hear from Bruce and Shannon and try to gain a new perspective on this week's edition of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. We're back right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USAPrimeColorado at gmail.com for more information. There's a third party uh, impacted by baseball's labor stoppage, the lockout instituted by the owners. It's not just the players, but the owners who are victims here. Uh, season ticket holders and businesses and fans everywhere around the region are affected by this, impacted by this. You know, everyone down to the ticket takers, the concessionaires, everybody who's involved. And it's a, it's a really tragic situation that obviously all of us are crossing our fingers and hoping it gets worked out sometime soon. There's minimal damage, but there is going to be damage. And that's the really unfortunate part about all this. And today we wanted to talk to people who uh, normally don't get to spend much time on the airwaves, but who are impacted on by this as much as anybody else. So Bruce Hellerstein is a proprietor of the National Ballpark Museum right in the Lodo area, right across the street from Coors Field. So Bruce, uh, thank you for joining us tonight, Bruce. Oh, thank you, Mark. And nice to uh, be part of this with you, Shannon. Um, yeah, so it, I think the most direct impact as we're speaking is, is opening day. I mean, it's yeah. costing yeah. us thousands of dollars. And it, you know what, it is what it is with the money. It's to me, opening day is, is such a celebration yep. and it brings people uh, into celebrating that that aren't necessarily, quote, baseball fans. It brings families together. It, it, I mean, that's just digging a knife in your heart. You're right. Are the guests tonight, Shannon Heard, um, Shannon's father, Jeff, former commissioner of the Western Athletic Conference. And I know Shannon, you and your family and your dad are big baseball fans. You've been a season ticket holder for 10 years, family since the beginning, just like Bruce's family season ticket holder since day one. I know, Shannon, you're one of the bigger Rockies fans I see on Twitter. I, I know this hurts you deeply. Yeah, and, you know, it's particularly hard because it's coming off of two abnormal years prior to yeah, this. true. So my craving for an, a normal opening day and a normal season has never been higher. And so this feels like an extra kick in the gut. It really does. And, it, and it, um, you know, I think the frustration for most people is that the owners seem oblivious to that. They just seem like they, you know, it's all about the dollars. It's all about the bottom line. And, and the other things that, that Bruce, that you were talking about, the, the surrounding atmosphere, I mean, there will be an opening day, right? If they have a 150 game season, 144, whatever, there'll still be a quote unquote opening day. But I'm guessing for both of you, and I'll ask you, Bruce, first, if there's an opening day in May, is it still going to feel the same? It really doesn't. It's, I don't know if this is the greatest analogy, but it's like um, if the uh, president of the United States would say, you know what? We're going to celebrate July 4th on uh, August 14th this year. Yeah. Uh, it just, 
it, it takes all the uh, pizzazz out of it. And just, just kind of looking at it a little broader too. To me, it really, in using, uh, digging at my heart, there could be a lot of things going on with this labor thing. Don't take opening day and don't take spring training away. This is, yeah. these are, these are the fans that you want. You don't want to yeah. take those away. Yeah. And, and last with COVID here, we had an incredible opportunity to bring people back into the stands, have a big celebration on July 4th. I mean, I, I it just, I'm a big believer. Timing is so much part of our life yeah. and they blew it. They blew it. They did. Shannon, you'll be at opening day whenever it is. Is it going to feel the same for you? I don't think it's going to. Um, I agree with what Bruce said. I mean, it will always be special on some level, but the timing, the timing will be off and the memory of why it's late will be in everyone's mind. Is this going to impact, Bruce, as you call them, I'll call marginal fans, the people who aren't quite baseball fans, but really like to go to Coors Field and like to experience a Rockies game. How much is this going to impact them? Are we going to lose some of them permanently? Uh, you might lose me. <laughs> wow. You know how much I love it. Yes, I do. I, I have a real problem putting a penny into going to a major league game. Go to minor league games, go to collegiate games, voter collegians, of course, no problem whatsoever. But I'll tell you, I just, this is how I, my perspective, and I'm not sure the, the, um, casual fan might look at it the same way. Um, this is just kicking dirt into the fans' face. And um, all that they have to do through these negotiations and meetings, it just expressed how much the importance of, of the fan is. It's not even in the equation. No, and and uh, I'm an entrepreneur. My parents were, both my grandparents were, the customer has always been gold yep. in our value system. And you can't, I'll tell you, if I treated my clients like this, I would not have a practice. Yeah, that's very true. That. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Hey, Shannon, um, how do you think this is going to impact the people that you sit with, the people that you're around at Coors Field, the, the people you go to games with? Um, are any of them, even the diehards, going to lose interest? So just judging based on conversations I have had with people, it's actually the diehards that I think this will affect slightly more than the casual fan. The casual uh, fan is the person who goes for the experience, loves uh, the ballpark, may or may not even understand who we're playing that night, but is there because they like the experience. The, the true fans, they're who I hear see the frustration wow. from. Yeah. I do know people who have been longtime season ticket holders that have either given up the seats or condensed going into this next year and more than I thought I would know wow. that isn't everybody but to say it doesn't impact I mean it, 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 it impacts let me ask you both this question I'll start with you Shannon um, the issues involved um, obviously it, it's a complicated situation there's there's a lot of money in, in stake percentages and that sort of thing do you think you or fans like you understand the issues I don't think that I understand them fully I think I have a a marginal understanding of them, but very truthfully, that is because the argument to me, they both sides appear tone deaf. They are arguing over sums that most people cannot relate to at a time when costs are soaring for people and fans are dying to get back to see the game. And I think honestly, myself included, but a lot of people I know tune out the specifics from that point. Yeah. It's yeah, really, really hard to relate to what they're fighting over when they talk about a minimum salary of 725 versus 700 and it's not good enough. And it's just yeah. frustrating. Bruce, you understand numbers being a CPA. Um, 
What do you think when you read about the, the details, the, the, the small I, things involved in this? And I'm a very unusual person, I would suspect in many ways. I read and I reread and I reread. I read four or five newspapers a day. I listen to the radio, sports constantly. I am so on top of this. I, I would almost consider myself a quote expert on this stuff. And uh, have, you, have you called Dick Moffert and offered your assistance? Uh, <laughs> you know, but you know, with all that, I know the issues can be labeled complex and all that. It's, um, it's, it's like going back to when you were a kid and playing chicken. This is what mm -hmm. these guys, those guys are doing. Who's going to blink first? Who's going to cry and say, you know, a player says, oh, we missed six paychecks. I can't uh, pay my yacht mm -hmm. uh, uh, payment. And the owners are saying, whoops, I didn't get that TV revenue and so on and so forth. It's going to happen. And it's so sad that money has and just a personal feeling. I, I put greed and power at the top of the list of just ugly, ugly traits. I think both sides have totally, totally lost perspective. And I think that, you know, it's, it's a ship without a leader. Uh, Manford, in my opinion, is the worst commissioner in the history of sports. Uh, he has zero leadership. He's not in the best interest of baseball. He's in the best interest of the owners. And I know the owners hire him and all that stuff. But, you know, you look at, and I'm not saying Bud Selig was the, the greatest of the great, but I'll tell you this. I think he had his heart in the right right place. Absolutely. Best interest of baseball. He yep. loved baseball. This commissioner has come out and said he'd rather play golf than watch baseball. That is not the guy you want leading the parade here. Yeah, I can tell you from experience, Bud Selig was, was the owner of the Brewers when I played there. And the man was a former season ticket holder of the Milwaukee Braves, bought the Seattle Pilots, moved him to, to Milwaukee. He was a fan first and a businessman second. And I second what you said, Bruce, baseball is very badly missing that element right now because there really isn't a fan on that side of the table. Speaking of that, Shannon, should the fans have a seat at the table and, and, and you think that would make things go better or would it just complicate things if the fans actually had a representative involved in these negotiations? It'd be hard to pick that person, but I think yeah, it's it a sure great would. idea. <laughs> yeah, it sure would. I, I do not know how you go about implementing that, but I think it's absolutely a wonderful idea to have one of the most powerful components of the game, at least have a voice for consideration. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that makes sense to me. And maybe, maybe that's a mediator uh judge because this very well bruce this could very well end up like it did in 1995 you guys are both season ticket holders when the world series was canceled in 1994 and we got the slow start to the coors field era in 90, 1995 that ended up in court remember that was settled in court before the a couple days before the replacement players were actually supposed to right. set foot on the field and play real major league baseball games um that this thing ended up in court bruce can you see it going there again oh i could i mean these guys are crazy enough to um just do anything for the mighty dollar bill. Seriously, it's it's so out of control. They have lost all perspective on what's going on here. Um, what would you say I, to him if you if you if you were in that room with Rob Manfred? What would you say to him? Uh, I don't think you want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> no, please, please, we do we do want to hear it. We do want to hear what you would say if you were if you had a seat at that table. I'll tell you, number one, and you brought it up, Mark. A great point. I would have a representative, uh, really representatives representing the best interest of baseball, because the commissioner obviously is not doing that. Uh, Bob Costas or someone that just passionately loves this game, is smart, and get on there and 
uh, stand up for the fans. I know it's dream world. They'll never do it. But I'll tell you, somehow the fans have to be represented. And these guys, and this has been a major downfall, that instead of looking out for the best interest and the long-term interests of the game, these guys will take a short-term profit. You know what? Like, how many teams are in the playoffs? Christ, why don't you put all 30 in there? Oh, they're going to put mean, 14. They can put half of them. They have no integrity. No. If they put in 14 or even 12 teams, it makes a mockery of the season. No integrity to 162 games. I'll tell you, it just – these guys are selling their soul to the dollar bill. It's TV and revenue. It's an age-old thing, mm-hmm. but uh, there is such a thing as crossing the line. They – they have crossed the line. They stand to make uh, between 85 and $100 million extra from the expanded playoffs. So obviously they're going to do that. And I'm with you. I don't, I'm not a fan of the 14 games. I don't think half the teams in baseball should make the playoffs. But Shannon, that does give teams like the Rockies a better chance to make the postseason. Is it worth it? You know, that's a tough question because tough as, question. as a fan, a you want to say, one. yes, I want to yep. be there. I, anything you can do to help us get there is great. But honestly, right. once you have a situation where half of the teams are making it, it's like the specialness factor goes down. Exactly. It's almost like rewinding a bit. Bowl games used to mean something. And yeah. now every every company out there sponsors a bowl game. I couldn't even track them all. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, well, let me ask you, Shannon, what would you say? If they let you into the room with Rob Manfred, what would you say? And, and just fire from the hip what would you say well i mean my first question is a really basic one if they were really intent on making a deal as soon as possible as he stated publicly mm-hmm. why wait 43 days to begin talks number yep. one you knew this was coming you did number just, two just a longer term perspective have they weighed the economic impact of upsetting so many fans do they really believe they are upsetting so many fans do they realize what the like kind of underworld grumbling is, or do they just kind of think that, oh, once we figure it out, they'll come back. I think they take fans for granted and I would point it out. You guys remember what it took to bring baseball back in the late nineties. Things were bad after the 95 uh, you know, work stoppage. And uh, it really took that home run chase, which we came to find out was kind of fueled artificially, but it took something like that to bring fans back and get them interested in the game. Um, Bruce, is it going to take something monumental? Say this thing goes and we have a 144 game season. You know, maybe we lose April and May. What's it going to take to bring the fans back? What, what's I'm it going to take to? Re- I'm not sure. I'm not sure the game's coming back. Hmm. I mean, it will be back, but I think is. I mean, it's a, uh, I practically break in tears when I think have the thought. Uh, this is the beginning of the end of baseball. It really hmm. in MLB. I don't know how they recover from these things. I really, really don't. You can only do. First of all. I hope they're smarter to know that fans aren't idiots and that they know what's going on. And you look back to 1995 and just what competition was out there. Mm-hmm. There's so good many point. very good points. Yep. And, uh, and the, you know, if they had an ounce of a brain, why don't they just look next door to the NFL, the most successful sports um league in the history of sports and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's kind of like well why well let's see what's happening and i'd be interested in your perspective too mark being a former player one word the players would rather die than have a salary cap well let's take a look at that thing it's been incredibly incredibly successful in the nfl the nba the hockey baseball is the only major sport that doesn't have it and if you put everybody on a level playing field 
and which is just as important, have a very substantial minimum payroll a team has to have. And if they don't mean it, they're, they're going to lose their franchise or ownership. Just I, I, I just listen to everything that goes on in the NFL and the Broncos and uh, these other sports. They don't, money does not come up. I mean, it's. Uh, I, 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 I disagree with you about that, Bruce, because if you think back to the last negotiations, the NFL, they've had, they've had a work stoppage in the NFL. They've had negotiations breakdown. It's a money issue with the NFL as well. So I think all the sports are in that situation. But I, I will tell you this. I hate salary caps. I think salary caps are unnecessary across the board. In, in your line of work, in Shannon's line of work, that's called a budget. Each team has a budget. And you play, work within your budget. Tampa Bay has been a very successful baseball team without a massive payroll. So it can be done. Um, baseball has had great parity. Uh, you know, yeah, you can say the same group of teams make the playoffs, but baseball's had a lot of different champions. The Kansas City Royals won the World Series in 2015 with a small payroll. Tampa was there a year ago with a small payroll. I mean, it, you can do it if you do it right. It's more difficult, certainly. My idea, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but my idea was always to, to increase revenue sharing, which I think would, would do what you're asking to do, level the playing field. If you took, okay, the Yankees, yes, network broadcast, Revenue is astronomical compared to the Rockies or the Royals. Let's use the Royals as an example. Let's say the Rock, the Yankees and Royals are playing each other in a three-game series. And it's in Kansas City. And it's being televised back to New York. And the Yankees are making a boatload of money on those three games. And the Royals are making a little bit from their TV deal. Well, how, it takes two teams to play a game. Why shouldn't that revenue be shared equally? That's what makes the NFL parity, Bruce, is the fact they don't have local broadcast revenue. They only share national broadcast revenue. Baseball shares its national, but doesn't share its local. And if they shared their local broadcast revenue, I think a lot of these problems would go away and you certainly wouldn't need a salary cap. I mean, an owner like Dick Monfort doesn't need a salary cap. He has a budget. And we may not agree with it, although I think it, we'd be hard-pressed to call him cheap. He spent a lot of money on this team, um, but he has a budget. Uh, the Dodgers even have a budget. They just have more money to work with. So I think it's, a, I, like I've been saying, I think it's a complicated issue. I don't believe in salary caps. I think there are an artificial way of making the owners richer. Uh, the owners, if they have a salary, if the salary cap goes down, do ticket prices go down? No, they don't. The owners do not share that wealth with the fans. Baseball owners wouldn't do that either if they had a salary cap. The cost to the fans would still go up. It's just the players' share of the money would go down, and I don't think that's fair either. So, I, I just I'm not a salary cap guy, but I am a guy who likes the competitive balance idea you're talking about, the revenue sharing, and the fact to level the playing field. That would be helpful. That's how well, I see it. Well, it just seems to me, and I know these things can get a lot of ramifications, but for example, look at the Denver Broncos. And of course, you know, there's ownership mm -hmm. change and all that, but Thanks essentially the Denver Broncos and the Green Bay Packers and the New York Giants just go down the list. Mm -hmm. They're essentially all in the same mm -hmm. boat. Right. And just because uh, we have, if the new owner here, you know, was like the owner of the Mets and could buy the entire league, he, he or she is, not going to be that much different financially than it is with the uh, the other teams. And it seems weird to say this in a capitalistic society. The NFL is total socialism. Yes, it is. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, is you could go so far as having a draft is socialism. I yeah. mean, total, I mean, you're out of high school. I'm going to sign with anybody I want and, or as long as I want. And, um, or I should use maybe the example of the five years uh, that, that you're locked in with a team like with the NFL. I, I would say this, if they would start from scratch and model themselves after the NFL, I think it'd be pretty damn successful. 
Shannon, where do you come on, come down on that? You know, I've been sitting here thinking about the first part of your question, which is what do you do to get the fans back? Yes. And there's, there was a comment in there essentially that, you know, the revenue is never shared with fans. Well, how do you want to get fans back? You let them know that you don't take them for granted, that you care about them. And maybe that is the owner saying, you know, we are so grateful for your support. And this year, I mean, we're the Rockies do it already. If you're a season ticket holder, they give you a card that has 5% of the value of your season tickets loaded on it. And you can use that throughout the season to buy um, merchandise and food at the stadium. Maybe they boost that to 20% for a year. I don't know. Some kind of tangible Mm. thank you. Fans are not so unique. Fans also care about money. And at a time when costs are soaring, and frankly, decisions about whether to go to the ballpark go beyond this. It is harder to get downtown now. Parking is more expensive. You know, how about not raising prices? How about showing fans tangibly you appreciate them? That's what I would be looking for. You guys both come in contact on a daily basis with people who work in and around the stadium, ushers, ticket takers, et cetera. This is impacting them too, and they don't have a voice either. It's not just the fans who are being deprived. It's the people who are being deprived of their livelihood. Um, what would you, Shannon, what would you tell the owners? Would you, how would you remind Dick Mofford about the people that he might be taking for granted? Just bluntly. I mean, there's no better way to do it. I, I could give examples of people that like you said, work for the stadium, have businesses around, exactly what is going on with them. Do they think about it? Do they understand the impact? Bruce, some of the other businesses around your area obviously are dependent on the foot traffic through Lodo. Like you had a great day yesterday, you said. Um, Yours is a unique business. The Ballpark Museum is obviously a a tourist destination and a really cool place for people to visit. But there are people who have everyday businesses there that, I mean, that's their lifeblood. And now it's going to drain. And you see that with what's happened with uh, the pandemic. I'm, I, yeah. Every time I, I drive, not only downtown, but around town, uh, Judy and I wanted to go to this restaurant last night out of business. And yeah. um, so here again, I can get a little uh, carried away with uh, utopia and wishful thinking. But to me, when you get right down to the nitty gritty in, in what goes on in these type of things, talk is cheap. Yeah. You know, they could, they could get up there and say, oh, the fans, the most important person in the world, blah, 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 blah. You know what? And I'm taking extreme, but just somehow taking an approach like this. If baseball came out and said, we screwed up, we screwed you fans, and we're going to have opening day and we're going to charge half prices for that game. And the rest of the year, we're going to take off, you know, a decent percentage, 20% for the rest of the year. And we're going to set up a pool of money that's going to help compensate the neighboring businesses that were impacted by this. This will never happen. But I'll tell you, if they really wanted to, you know, put uh, some talk behind their, uh, their dollar bill, that would do it, but they're not going to do it. Well, the players already, players union already has done that, Bruce. The players union has already worked with the AFL CIO to form a fund to help people, stadium workers, who are affected by this? So Which is some, great. It's a great. I was not aware of that. Gesture. That is great. A great gesture in there, and that, that is. hopefully is is take, getting underway. But it's just, it's it's not going to fill that hole completely. It's just not, because again, there's a lot of people who work as as we said outside the stadium who aren't stadium employees, who are, aren't going to benefit from that. So, um, it's just it's a tough situation for a lot of people to be in. And I think, um, you guys both use the term tone deaf, and I think that's a pretty good way to describe it because I think, um. The owners, I, listen, I'm, I'm pro player. I'm put the, I put this, the owners did a lockout. The players would go back to work tomorrow if the owners would open the gates and it's a lockout. So obviously that's the frustrating part about it. But if the owners were 
less, a little bit less uh, intent on the bottom dollar, the bottom line, as you've talked about, Bruce, and a little bit more aware of how the fans feel. I think this would might expedite things. But Shannon, you're right. The, the idea of waiting 43 days to to even make an offer, it was like play, like Bruce said, playing a game of chicken. Um, they need to hear from somebody. How, if, if they're not going to get a seat at the table, Shannon, and nobody's going to give give a microphone to the fans, how do the fans make their voices heard? Well, fortunately, in this day and age, there are more options than there used to be. Just yeah. via social media, even yeah. the right post goes viral today. Yeah. Speaking out. So I always have been somebody who will say what I think when asked. And I think I've actually been fairly quiet about this topic. But yeah, that's speaking true. Out more. <laughs> so speaking yeah. out more. Um, you know, you can't control who sees it, but you have to start by saying it. And if enough people say it, it gets attention. Bruce, if this thing ended tomorrow, if they came to agreement tomorrow and they say, we're only going to miss two weeks and we're going to try to make up some of the games. Is it forgive and forget at that point? Uh, not for me. If, if they just said, they announced right now, literally, we're, we're back on schedule. Uh, no, I, I uh, the pain they have put the fans through in 95 and all these other work stoppages. No, this is, I've been through so many of these, every single one since yeah. uh, uh, early Marvin 70s. Miller early and, 70s, yeah. and, and doing all this stuff and making, okay, you unified the players, but you know what? You've created the most powerful union in the entire world. This is not people working out in a factory and, it just has gotten way, way out of control. It's lost all perspective of what a union, and this is my view, obviously, mm -hmm. what a union should be about. It, to me, if, and here again, it's these gestures that would mean so much and not show the greed. If, if the players came out, and I know that Mark, Max Wurzer says, oh, we're working for these uh, guys that uh, don't make anything in the minor leagues and they get their one chance and all that. That is, I totally get that. It mm -hmm. stinks these minor leaguers making everything right. but in the same breath they've with attrition they've taken away so many minor league teams and they could uh uh this is the grassroots of baseball and yes they should definitely be paying minor leaguers i mean they, they don't even make enough to they don't make minimum no wage money. they don't make minimum wage no it, it's awful it's awful so so put the money there you know a lot more about this than i do mark but it seems to me growing up uh, in the 50s and 60s, and this is before the union really got started in the 70s, I believe. Uh, how about paying for these guys who played in those years, paying for their health insurance, paying for money that they need? They don't see a penny of that stuff. Well, that's so, not necessarily true, Bruce. We, I'm, I'm part of the Players Alumni Association, yeah. and we do have pensions. And, and they're, re they're doing everything they do to reach back to every former living player and provide some kind of a pension. So and Major League Baseball is paying into that reluctantly. I can tell you that they're not, the owners don't want to pay into it, but fortunately the Alumni Association has a pretty strong I mean, are they? Too. And I mean, is it just a good um, uh, PR gesture? Are they really- No, getting... I think the Alumni Association is all about the alumni. So I think from the owner's standpoint, I think they probably are worried about the PR if they didn't do it. Uh, they'd hear a lot about it from the former players, but I think that they turn that money over to the alumni association and, and we all, like I said, we all have pensions. So that does, that does help a lot. In my case, it's helped a lot over the years. But I think they have to educate the public. See that, you know, yeah. Oh, I agree with that. Perception is everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, let people know yeah. that they are doing these type of things because mm -hmm. otherwise it just, 
looks like greed versus you're right. greed. You're absolutely right. Hey, and Shannon, I think that. Um, you, no, I think you're right, Bruce. It, it, yeah. Baseball does is poor at that. That's very, very true. Hey, Shannon, you were there, Bruce, you were there too, um, when they were about to debut replacement players 26, 27 years ago. What were, what were you feeling then? Do you remember? Do you guys remember what you thought when they were going to roll out replacement players? Not that that's been suggested again, but hey, at this point, if this lingers on, we might go that, that, down that path again. What were you thinking then? Do you remember? Uh, if I'm just speaking for myself, yes. I was a little too young to really be involved with those issues at the time, but obviously I was around, but not really around, if that makes sense. So this yeah. is actually, for me personally, kind of the first go around being aware as a super fan. Yeah, Bruce, it doesn't seem like 27 years between between lockouts but because this has brought up such this brought stuff bubbling to the top really fast but do you remember what you felt during when the replacement player mess total no i i felt um see this is how i look at it mark and i try to be as objective as i can because i've been so uh, self-employed and i've been an employee okay and it's awfully nice when you're employed and you get your checks every week and you don't have to really take a lot of risks there but when you're on the other side of the fence, and believe me, I'm not condoning how the owners act on right. this whole, but they're the ones who have the risks. They have to worry about uh, players getting injured. Not so much what they have to pay them, but you know. It, you don't, you don't want to pay people who can't participate, right? Right. You have to worry about pandemics. You have to worry about bad weather. Um, mm-hmm. There's, there's all sorts of factors. And it's like, if I'm in business for myself, like I am, and the staff person doesn't show up for work, guess what? I have to do and we're put in a 18 hour day. So I don't have a lot of sympathy when players don't see that side of things that Mm -hmm. we're, it's kind of like, oh, we're all equal on this thing. And I think that each side has to understand the other side and uh, that the owners do take risk they're risking their investment in this thing. It's like the, the new owner of the Broncos. I mean, he's going to pay some, he or she's going to pay astronomical money. And there's no guarantee that people will be watching football. Maybe people get turned off with all the injuries and everything. Yeah. Who knows? So they're taking a risk on that. And I think that sure. somehow the sides are so, they've lost all perspective. They really, really have. See, if it was me, I'd walk in there. If I was a commissioner, I'm mm-hmm. serious about this. Good. You get a strong commissioner who really cares. Day one, back in December, you lock them in a room, no food or drink, <laughs> figure it out. And when you got to figure it out, you can come out. I'm serious about no, that. I, I get it. I think that was Shannon's point earlier, too. You know, 43 days without any discussions is, was ridiculous why this was well, going the pro- on. The problem, too, in that light. Manford has been so disingenuous I don't believe a word he says. Yeah. If he says it's night, I have to look outside. <laughs> I don't believe a word that he has created as a leader, total mistrust with the public. And these two sides, and you can speak to this a lot better than I can, Mark, but I will. It, this is my theory. Mm-hmm. I think when the Marvin Millers and the Don Fears made the union as strong as they have, you cannot have a successful organization where the owners and the players hate each other, mistrust each other. What's the heart of a relationship? Trust. Yeah. Yeah. Zero trust. So they've got a lot of problems. And they and, and as a consequence, the owners can't uh, use the players to build up 
you know, interest in the game. What is the owner of the A's or the uh, Angels who came out strong, you know, for the owner side? What's he going to promote Mike Trout now? No yeah. way. Yeah. They're enemies. And this yeah. is this is no way to do business. In the other sports, the commissioners of like the NBA, I don't know about the NFL, but the, the uh, David Stern, who was the NBA, and uh, Adam Silver, the players love these guys. The players do like Adam they Silver. They probably go to dinner with them, the yep. union people. Yep, they until do. Until they break that ice. And it's going to take a lot of work. It's like a, a broken marriage. It just doesn't heal overnight. Yep. They've got to, they got to mend their own problems and they got to mend the things with the fans. And I'll tell you, I wish I, I'm an optimist. I don't see that happening. Hey, Shannon, we've got just a few minutes left here, but I want to ask you this, this question. Um, Dick Monfort, uh, from everything I've been told, really wants Chris Bryant to be a Rocky. Chris Bryant's still a free agent. Really, and that's the that's the free, Kyle Schwarber maybe, but Chris Bryant's the guy that Dick Monfort wants in purple pinstripes. That would obviously everyone here would be happy to see that. If you're Chris Bryant, and Dick Monfort's taken this lead role, and he's been out front, and he's been one of the hawks in all this. If you're Chris Bryant. How do you feel about uh, signing on with Dick Monfort? Depends on what my other options are, honestly. Yeah. That's the yeah. truthful answer. Yeah. It's really hard to weigh that without knowing what the other options would be. Well, let's just say, be... let's say he's got like three or four suitors, and the money is pretty close to the same. Obviously, there's a lure of hitting at Coors Field. Do you think Dick Monfort's hurting his team with his stance right now? Yes, I do, actually. I would go personally if, if there were multiple offers and they're basically close to the same. I would go where I feel most comfortable and where the kind of environment feels yeah. right. Yeah. And that, Bruce, that's hard to say that that would be Coors Field right now with the way things are going. Hey, I don't want to keep you guys too much longer. I know you both got things to do. We all do. And I appreciate you joining us, Bruce Hellerstein, the National Ballpark Museum. If you haven't been there, Shannon, I'm sure you've been down there, the National Ballpark Museum. I know your dad likes to go stuff like that. I, it's a great, it's a must-see. You got to go down there. Um, unfortunately, Coors, Coors is a little quiet right now, but right down the street, it's, it can be busy when the snow melts at the National <laughs> Ballpark Museum. Um, but anyway, uh, thank you, Shannon. I know you'll keep giving stuff away on Twitter and being the Rocky super fan that you are, and we appreciate that. I know Rocky's fans like like that a lot. And Bruce, uh, keep the faith. Maybe this, maybe you will be able to mend this broken marriage at some point. I hope I hope um, your uh, lack of optimism is incorrect, but I I wouldn't bet against it right no, now. I just, it's a tough I just time. Wanted it's a tough some time. positive things going yeah. on. Yeah, we all do. We all do. Hey, Shannon, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was all great right. to talk about right. this. Shannon, Shannon Hurd, you can follow her on Twitter at Love the Rocks and Bruce Hellerstein, National Bar Park Museum. Bruce, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. My pleasure, Mark. Thank you very much. Thanks, Shannon. Thank you, and, Bruce. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, sure. And that's been this edition of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. I wanted to hear from the fans. We heard from a couple of really, really good educated fans on what this lockout's doing. Hopefully next episode, we have some favorable things to talk about. But for now, that's it for today, and we'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.